Hi everyone and welcome to the first episode of Language of Leadership. This is the new podcast tied with the Engineering Leadership Society and today I'm going to be interviewing Joseph Duncan, our current president and senior here at Penn State. Joseph, you want to introduce yourself a bit more? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Um, I'm Joseph. <laughs> I'm a senior at Penn State studying industrial engineering. Uh, I got there in the end. I started off as an aerospace engineer. So uh, we're graduating in December in industrial engineering and a minor in engineering leadership development. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great spot to be, right? Yeah. I didn't know you actually switched your major as well. That's that's. Uh, I I've feel like had... that's a common theme throughout engineers um, in a good way almost. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had quite the journey so far. Uh, honestly, I started off in Air Force ROTC as an aerospace engineer, and oh wow, just totally different place. Graduating, wanted to be a fighter pilot, and now I'm going into business. So I could never, <laughs> could never have predicted that. That's a big change. What uh, actually, just touching on that real quick. What uh, what made you switch? What was the thing that that made you want yeah. to change? So I. I mean, I had this, like, as a kid, I was just wanted to be a fighter pilot, wanted to fly planes. I wanted to be, like, a test pilot, so I really wanted to, you know, combine math and, like, flying and um, my adrenaline junkiness. Um, but I had a surgery on my nose in 10th grade of high school um, just for, like, some, like, benign tumors in there that were stopping me from breathing. Um, and so I got med DQ'd at the end of the first semester oh. and kind of that I then I was like an aerospace engineer and I was kind of like I'm not a quitter so I was I was like I'm not gonna just like stop trying um so then I went to like the navy and the marines and I was like look I just want to fly like this is why I got DQ'd and they're all just like no no got turned down over the next wow. year and a half from everyone I mean I went to all the RTC guys all the recruiters out and um you know outside of campus and stuff and it just after a year and a half, it didn't work. And then I was a junior taking my first semester of aerospace engineering. I was sitting in those classes and I was like, this sucks. Like, I can't fly. I'm not going to, I just don't have the passion anymore. And so then I switched um, and I've found a new passion and, you know, I'm graduating into something that I'm very excited about. So, Wow. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's quite a story, actually. Um, I can't imagine how much you learned from that, though. Just yeah. from that that experience must have been kind of heartbreaking to have something like that happen. Yeah, it was definitely tough. I mean, my parents saw all of it and they were devastated for me. And then, you know, I took a semester going abroad just to not even take engineering classes really and um, try and find a little bit more meaning. And then came back and found ELD and just threw myself into it. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. It's, I mean, that's why that's honestly how I started in ELS, too, is when I was going through all that stuff, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone from like an upperclassman that was like, look, there's all these op other opportunities. So I was like having like five meetings a week with people from Penn State just being like, look, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I re I'm really adamant that I need to find out what I want to do. And so then that's, you know, started the mentor program through ELS. And then, um, you know, here I am as the president. So, wow. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> I yeah. have no, uh, no idea. That's kind of how it all got started. So you, you said you came back and you started doing your engineering leadership and development courses. Which, what first one did you take? 
Yeah, 408. Um, so just the classic 408, one. 408, so... Yeah. I honestly, I, I'm still friends with my 408 group. Um, and oh, that's like, fantastic. I'll probably, like, do a career with uh, one of the guys from... Like, well, our careers will definitely oh, wow. intertwine once I graduate. So it's... It, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Who was your professor? I was Dr. Hanley. Um, yeah, okay, you did have... You did yeah. Have Meg. That's amazing. I have her currently, so it's <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. fun. That's great. Yeah, no, the class is so different from when I took it. Like, it's so different. Um, really? It's did crazy. you guys do the airport research program or? Yeah, we did. Um, but just the, like the way it's taught, some of the deliverables, yeah. some of the extra, extra stuff. Like, you guys have to present to like a alumni, right? We didn't have to do. Anything. Yeah, we do a lot of. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff, but it's very fun. Yeah, we present to uh, we have our group coach. And then we have our alumni that we present to every other week. Um, and then towards the end of the semester, I know we have to present to some corporate people as well. Yeah. After we did the that. challenge. We yeah. uh, we got to go to a Lockheed's headquarters in Owego and present to them. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I actually... Yeah, I'm not, the, sure. I'm not sure where they're doing it this year. Yeah, the TA of that class I work with now. So I'm, I'm my professional life is very intertwined with my... 408 class which is funny so yeah that's funny hey you never know where where your friends are gonna lead you right yeah exactly okay well thank you for that introduction that was great learning some of that background yeah. i had no clue you were interested in rotc when you first came to penn state um and i didn't know you switched your major either so that's that's yeah. pretty fantastic to learn yeah guess i'll get into some of the the questions i have written down um okay so first off you know i i feel like everyone always debates whether people are born as leaders or you're built as a leader and i know personally i definitely was not born as a leader i think it's taken a lot of time for me to learn to become a leader and learn these skills and i'm still working on it now um that's one of the main reasons i wanted to do the eld minor did you ever have a feeling or when you had that feeling that you you notice okay I'm good at leading I have I have those skills or I can at least build upon my skills and become better yeah it, I mean it was young um, so I started working jobs in end of sixth grade seventh grade um, like to the point where I had to go to the government to get special permission to work just because I was like I need to do something um, and I, I very I was thinking about this this morning actually at the gym um, I remember saying to my parents when they had all their friends over like after a day of work I worked in a cemetery repairing gravestones which is an interesting oh, wow. first job. Um, <laughs> but I came home and I was like people just don't want to work because like you know the kids would just sit there and just be like oh we have to do stuff today and I was like yeah um, and so I stepped up and was just like look like these are the projects we need to get done like let's let's do it um and that was the start of the whole leadership journey really uh i mean it's weird to have such like a vivid start um but i just remember that and because my parents friends were like oh you are learning things very young um they're like <laughs> I, I promise you that's not going to go away and it hasn't there are people that just don't want to do work um so that was the start of it, but 
I mean, I was the captain of all of my athletics teams, but I was not a good leader at the time. Um, so, yeah. Just took some time to de- develop that. Did you feel that you started to develop your good leader skills when you got to college more so then? Yeah, honestly, like, th- to say, to be really honest, I ha- I was probably only would consider myself a good leader in the last three to four months. Um, wow. In school, and high school, like, being the captain, I was always quiet, like, you know, and I would lead by example. Like, I was, I was good. Um, and, and that's, you know, probably why I would get in there, and I would not complain. I would do the work. I would work hard every game. But I just couldn't, like, I didn't find myself leading teams. Um, my coach was, like, a second father to me for soccer. Um, mm-hmm. I learned so much from him, and he would, like, inspire people and that kind of thing. And just, you know, not a, not a regret, but just one of the biggest learning opportunities in my life was getting to the Final Four twice for soccer but in New York State, but losing both games in OT just because, like, we were way, like, technically way better. But just as a team, there was nobody on the team that was like, look, guys, this is going to suck. Like, we're going into overtime again, but we need to win. We need to, like, keep going. You know, I, I still kick myself for just not doing that. And, I mean, even just through ROTC, like, I stepped up into leadership positions, just threw myself, like, into these really tough scenarios and, and just failed really badly. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and I sat, you know, like I said, I sat in your shoes last this time last year of just being like oh man can I even like commit to being like the leader of a club if I've just failed so many times um and it hasn't been perfect either but I've you know I've gotten to the point now where I'm like okay I know what I need to do um in order to address my weaknesses as a leader and I'm actively trying to do that so yeah it's a good point I feel like a lot of people often said that you need to embrace the the failures but people don't always practice that as well as they should um, so that's a really good point how it took a lot of <laughs> trial and error until you finally feel like you said it's only been the past couple months that you felt like you could say I'm a good leader mm-hmm. and that's pretty empowering almost to to hear how long I view you as a fantastic leader and <laughs> I never thought yeah. you would say I never thought you would say it's only been the past three or four months. You just seem very like naturally um, kind of gifted in that sense. But that's good to hear, um, especially for people that might be going through the same thing. Like you said, myself mm-hmm. struggling with some of those, those feelings. It's good to hear that there is a, <laughs> there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I know you mentioned you kind of, you stepped up in those positions. Um, and then the, the past couple, three or four months, you finally felt yourself becoming this good leader, quote unquote. And uh, was there ever, what was that clicking point? Like where you, you notice like, bam, that's it. I'm, I'm doing it right. I'm a leader. I might be messing up sometimes, but I'm doing the right things. I'm putting myself out there. Or was it kind of more gradual over time? Yeah, it was, um, there was a moment. Um, but overall, I would say it was more gradual. Um, I think I really stepped up when it was like last January and I 
was um, the cycling club. I'm a big mountain biker. Um, mm-hmm. Was like five people, you know, and I was like, there's so many mountain bikers out there. Um, and I just walked into the club and I was like, look, when's the last time we had a collegiate race? And they were like 10 years ago. And I was like, I'm going to host, I'm going to host it. I'm going to make it happen. And we're going to do it in August. And they looked at me like I was crazy. They were like, who is this kid? Right. And I, then they had elections the next week. And keep in mind, I've walked into the club for a week. I've known all these guys for maybe two and a half weeks. Right. They hold, they hold elections. Uh, and it's, I'm like, I'm going to run for vice president. Cause I, I knew the president for a little bit longer. And, um, I basically told them all of my ideas and all the ways that I was going to make it happen and laid it out into a plan. Um, and they held elections, and it was 8 to 8, me versus the current vice president. And then someone walked in the door, and it he was like, he like happened to know me and was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely voting for him. And so I managed to like win that election. And then over the next eight months, I spent planning this thing, and I just like... I had to draft legal documents. I had to reach out to like government officials. And I had to do all this stuff, but I couldn't do it alone. And so it was the first time because like I've always been the guy that was like, I'm just going to do it. Like I'll just do it for my team, like group projects where people slack. I'm not going to bug someone and be like, hey, can you do this? I'll just do it. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to change that. Right. And so that forced me to change that over the eight months. And then as soon as the race was done, the race director said to me like, that was the best race we've had in 10 years. And I was like, okay, clearly, you know, I can coordinate people to do something well. And then it just, like, just good things started to happen. Like, at work, they were like, look, we want you, as a leader, we want you on track for, like, management roles. Like, we want you to help um, run the internship program. I'm like, really? (laughs) Uh, And, uh, but, like, loving it and... You know, just a lot of things that I put a lot of effort into have turned out really well. And so I'm just, you know, starting to see like concrete evidence and people are saying to me like, you know, okay, this is done really well. So it's like, it's not that I've doubted myself, but now I'm starting to see like uh, I can really, and now I believe that I can do almost anything that I put my mind to. Um, Yeah. That's kind of empowered me. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's like getting that, uh, you're finally seeing your hard work pay off in in a more emotional way in terms of people just giving you that, like, man, you did a fantastic job. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's amazing of, like for you to walk into that club and have all those plans and making it happen. Because it's one thing for people to say, I'm going to do this and completely flop. I think that's really, that says something. Um Having that commitment and dedication is pretty fantastic. I think it's really cool too. You did it with your passion. Like it's something you love to do. You already liked mountain biking and you wanted to promote that to the area and make it a a bigger thing for Penn State and the State College area. So that's really cool. They get to help not only like test your leadership skills and help the club, but also something you love to do. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's really, really a cool experience. Yeah, I mean, the club has gone from 10 people to 190 people. Um, (laughs) And that race raised $5,000 for the club. So it's paid for people. That's awesome. It's it's paid for people to get bikes. Like, mountain bikes are expensive. Um, Yeah, 
very expensive. <laughs> had the opportunity to buy two like two bikes for the club that people ride, and uh, during the whole season, it paid for all of gas, all of food, all of the race entries. So nobody had to pay a thing. Um, so it, and that was for our whole twenty-two person team. So wow, it was really rewarding to see all that stuff. Yeah. So do you guys have you have a a a team, a competitive yeah. team, in the yep. club? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. Do you happen to know Brian Toto? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah you know Brian. Yeah, I know he's Brian. He's one of my good friends actually. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a, He's he's been to a couple of club meetings. So. Yeah, he's he's really nice. Uh, Brian's a cool guy, but I'm pretty involved in rock climbing at Penn State. Um, I go to I don't know if you've been to Climb Nittany at all or heard of it. Yeah, all my all my mountain bike friends go there. Yeah. Yeah, Brian and I are there often, but um, I think that's cool getting to hear about how some of these outdoor clubs are starting to grow a bit. I know mm-hmm. I was in the bouldering competition with the climbing club a couple weeks ago, and that was really fun. Um, they got to, I, I noticed a bunch of leaders emerging there as well, but it's a different way because it's, you're dealing with the school <laughs> and right. it's a physical sport. So <laughs> there's risks of in- injury and there's a lot of things that you have to manage in that position. So it's kind of cool seeing yeah. students such as yourself uh, deal with things like that. Yeah. And we, we didn't do things conventionally by school standards. Um, yeah. <laughs> which was, I mean, we got suspended after the race because they didn't approve it. And Oh, wow. Um, which was not my fault, to be honest. We emailed the coordinator. It was kind of a slap in the face that we got suspended because we'd emailed the coordinator three times between May and in August that the race was happening. We just needed approval. And it came to three days before and she like was like, it's not approved. And I was like, we're doing it. <laughs> and so we yeah. did it. And then we outlined like exactly what our communication was and, and everything like that. And the only thing that sh- caused us to be suspended was that one of our exact members hadn't completed their training yet. Um, and so, yeah, I feel your pain with, with dealing with school and all that stuff. Yeah. Do you guys have to get, like, WUFA certified or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. You do? We, we've, luckily, we have um, a bunch of our members run the, uh, not the, it might be the IM trips, but the, all the IM climbing trips and canoe trips yeah. and kayak trips. So yeah, they yeah. are, they are already certified. Um, and Penn State didn't actually take their certifications, which is another reason we got suspended until after we proved that actually first aid for mountain biking and outdoor injuries is useless and woofa is like perfect and it they just didn't yeah. see that so that's yeah. what it was designed for <laughs> exactly that's what we, we yeah met with them. We're like, it's literally designed for our sport it's you know the first aid is three hours woofa oh. for them has been 32 hours of training like yeah it's a huge <laughs> commitment I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Being both certified is a big deal, but that in of itself is a a leadership thing that has a yeah. whole different twist to it with the with time. But that's really that's really fantastic. I love promoting the outdoors. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Next question. All right, I'm going back to your childhood again. So, um, what about your parents? Did they foster leadership when you were a kid? Were they leaders themselves? Um. Or was was it more self motivated when you were a child? Yeah, it's it's a good question and, and one I think I have a good answer for. Um, my parents are definitely 
not they are leaders um in the way that they like i was a quiet leader as a kid they are quiet leaders like they do their work my dad they're both teachers um oh okay so they but they teach like uh, my mother teaches english as a second language um and my dad teaches philosophy so uh, you know the philosophy of leadership and and that kind of stuff it wasn't like oh you need to be a leader at all or anything but they uh, they they didn't choose my path but they helped prepare me to choose my own path um and my grandfather and my mother especially i think really ingrained the the people focus into it so my grandfather growing up i mean he's my mother's english so they grew up in the war right so oh right, um, right. my grandfather would talk about you know rations being in london during the blitz um just Wow. All, all the leadership stuff there and yeah. how, you know, he had to walk. <laughs> I, the classic story, but it, like an actual story of like he had to walk 10 miles from his farm that he grew up on to school every day um, and would live wow. off one piece of toast with some like butter every day for two years um, wow. while still going to school, while the country was being bombed. Um and now he like is a successful businessman, but just the philosophy was like, it was always just you know treat everyone as if they're you. He was like like be best right. friends with the janitors at your school. So like, you know, in middle school when everyone would unfortunately tease the janitors, you know, I'd make an effort to just be like like hey, how's your day? Like what are you what are you up to? And like yeah. more often than not, they've got great like some of them were immigrants. Like my mother's an immigrant, so like. I was there and I grew up going to all of um, she used to teach summer school for people that came over. Okay. So like people from South America, Asia, like all over. So I, you know, I would get used to their accents and make a, a an actual effort to understand them. Um, and so really all they pushed was to help others. Um, it wasn't like the leadership aspect of it. It was just like, be very kind to everyone. Right. They have their own powerful story. You know, learn to listen to their story and learn to treat them um, with respect. And th- and that was my family philosophy and, and still is today. Yeah. I think that is a huge part of leadership in some sense, though. It definitely um, is. It definitely is. They just, they, they never yeah. were like, you need to like lead. You need to have responsibility. You need right, to- right. Um, but it's it's yeah. leading in as many like yeah it is leading it's yeah it's a very um recognizing the whole people are different and you need to <laughs> treat all of them with the utmost respect and try to like you said be best friends with everyone like mm-hmm. i think that's that's a good point um and definitely i've actually as i uh i told you i got that i got a chance to talk to a gm engineer um on monday for yield for uh engineering 408 and i test ran some of these questions on him and it's interesting because he said that his parents his parents were marines so um (laughs) very different story from your parents so he said his mom was definitely (laughs) definitely a tough a tough leader and they uh they kind of beat that into him when he was younger um so it's kind of interesting to see how different leaders are developed i I really like that question because i know i feel like everyone has a very different childhood so it's kind of cool to see where people came from 
and how they got to where they are now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do. My my mother and my grandfather always do it. I, like, as kids growing up, we were always like, "Oh no, my grandfather's talking to someone again." Like, <laughs> but you know, it's just like we were on a bus in Spain, and he's talking to some. He found the one person on the bus that speaks English, and now is asking about what his life was like when he was five years old. And we're like, oh, <laughs> not, not, and you know, the person's like, oh, you know, I kind of grew up here and, you know, not super into it, but he's clearly like very like, oh, I'm so interested in what you have to say. Yeah. And, you know, as kids were like, oh, that's uh, embarrassing, granddad. And, and now I find myself doing the same thing. And I'm like, doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing though. I don't blame him. I love to hear the stories. Yeah. Um, okay. What about any other leadership moments in your life? I know you mentioned like being a kid working in the graveyard, which is such a, such a weird first job for a (laughs) sixth grader. Um, any other like life changing moments intertwined in there or, or do we kind of hop on all those? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of moments where, you know, that I can talk about where I just did not do well or panicked or stuff like that um what's your worst like what was your worst failure as a leader if you don't mind sharing no no i I don't mind at all um i'm just trying to think like there's a there's a couple that come to mind and i think i already elaborated on like the sports ones yeah Um, you know and it's it's painful but it is what it is um rotc was a funny one um i think so i signed up to be part of um the arnold air society which is basically like it's kind of like special operations pre-training. Um, and on the first day when we walked in, right, there's 40 of us in this room that wanted to sign up. And the older kids walked into the room and they started like flipping tables, shouting at people and just like, you know, the classic like military intimidation yeah. tactic. Um, and they were like, you know, why isn't your shirt tucked in? Why aren't you like sitting up straight? You know, why is your, where's your pen? Where's your pencil? Where's your water? Um, and just started oh, like gosh. screaming at people. Um, and it was funny just cause some people like started to really panic and like, you could tell that, you know, people weren't enjoying it. And then it was time to select a, like a flight commander, um, which is, you know, the leader of the whole group of the 40 people. Right. Um, and nobody raised their hand. They were like, who wants to be flight commander? And then, of course, you know, the main guy, like, turns around and he slams the fist on the wall. He goes, every single, per- like, person's hand should be raised right now. So then all yeah. the hands go up. And I'm sitting in the back corner, and all of a sudden, they start pacing around the room. And there's, like, six of them. And they come up to me, and I'm sitting there like, oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes, Duncan would you like to be flight commander? And I go, yes. And he goes, what? I was like, yes, sir. I'll be flight. And it just stood up. But, but in the next two weeks, you know, I, I like, I cracked under the pressure. Um, which sucks because like, you know, back again, back then, like now, if I was in that opportunity, if I was in that experience, I think I'm, way more mentally tough than I was then. And I could like really excel and just power through it and, um, you know, do a good job. But back then I was like, just a mess. Um, and so I, I mean, for the two weeks that I was flight commander, I did everything that I needed to do. I, you know, I was 
I was strong with my commands. I was confident with my decisions. And I, you know, those 40 people dropped to 11 people in the time that I was wow. leader. Because <laughs> people hated it. I mean, you had to get up at 3.30 for PT instead of oh. getting up at 4.45. And you had to greet everyone that came into PT. And of course, this is my first two weeks of my freshman year of college. I yeah. don't know. I don't know anyone. So I printed out like names and pictures and I had to memorize everyone. And then you had to greet people based on like if they were upperclassmen, you greeted them first. Then it was women. Then it was alphabetical. And then it was, you know, and so I had to memorize all that stuff and like shout it out to my group at the beginning of PT. Um, so I did everything. But then after the two weeks, I mean, it, I lasted a little bit longer. And then, you know, some of the medical stuff started to come through that I was like, uh oh, like I could get disqualified. And so then I just quit. And I'm like, it maybe it's not my biggest leadership failure, but I just like threw everything away and was like, I'm done and, and walked away and yeah. just never looked back. And then two days later, I was out of the Air Force and I had just like, if I'd made it for two more days, maybe I'd still be like, good friends with some of those kids and, and yeah. all that stuff so that honestly like that just still sticks out to me today um which is crazy so <laughs> must have been a little scary having someone <laughs> coming to shout in your face <laughs> yeah yeah i mean especially as like this timid freshman right yeah why did he single you out like was there anything that he did or that you did or random just random just like saw you and just decided yeah. You're the one. I mean, like, I like I, I wasn't I was definitely on top of my game in terms of like I had my notebook, I had my pencil, my water bottle was fine. Right. I was sitting up straight naturally, I wasn't like scared of them when they were slamming everything. So like Yeah. It, I think they saw that and and went from there. Cause then the people right. after me, not to say they did a bad job, but it was like the the upperclassmen kept coming to me and they were like can you help him out? Like, can you help him out? Like, you did a much better <laughs> job. And I was like, you know, and now looking back on it, like, they did, um, you know, afterwards they saw that it had a big emotional effect on me and they sat down with me and were like, look, you did a really good job. Like, we were really impressed um, by how well you did. But still, like, personally, it feels like a huge failure when people were telling me at the time that it wasn't, so... I know. Yeah, it's almost like the balance. Like you get the whole trying to break you down so you can become your best version, but at some point I feel like it's counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if you had more of a support structure while you were flight commander, maybe you would have stuck in it a bit longer. So, it's yeah. almost a little counterintuitive. I think it's it's cool too. You got to learn pretty quickly what you liked and didn't like as well yeah. <laughs> that kind of situation um not yeah. for you which i don't blame you i was i was thinking of actually going into the either like air force academy or naval academy at some points but mm -hmm. i just couldn't i didn't want to the thought of almost giving away all my freedom in a sense yeah just wasn't for me um not that it's a bad thing i think those programs are really cool because i was i was actually i wanted to be a pilot for a while as well yeah um, but just like the thought of doing ROTC, giving up like 90% of my freedoms in college, um, and also not being guaranteed the chance to even get the fly. Like there's yeah. a very good chance I wouldn't get the fly. Um, just wasn't wasn't what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So 
I do not blame you. Hats off to yeah. you for trying because that <laughs> that is a a huge commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a, a great point too. Is like you know, as a leader, you are always fighting against these statistics, right? You know, like most startups fail. If you're the CEO of a startup, you need to believe that you're not going to fail. Um, you know, the just being in RTC is a slim chance you are going to get to be a pilot, but you need to believe exactly. it. So it's, it's always like one of the most fascinating facets of leadership for me is how do leaders lead into the unknown and against many odds? Uh, and, you know, how do, how do you, how do you bring people with you? Yeah. And how do you, yeah. How do you, yeah. I think it's also, you have to keep in mind, like as a leader, if I don't try this thing, it's not going to happen. If I do try it, it might not happen. So it's it's that like some people won't even give a shot at something because they're like, oh, it will never happen in a million years. So I'm not even going to try. And I feel like being a leader, you have to try. Like you have to want to push for that, even though you might come up empty handed. Like you said with startups, most startups fail. They go yeah. nowhere. Money wasted time. Like it could be yeah. your life savings like dumped into this right. company. But if you don't try you're not like you're going to be the same place you were even if you fail almost yeah Um, yeah so it's better to try and fail than not try at all Mm -hmm. that's a that's a saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean especially if you do it authentically like if you're like look i believe in this i'm passionate about this and i'm gonna put effort into it and you know other people see that and you know then maybe they'll follow you maybe they won't but yeah um then at least you can justify it to yourself that, you know, you tried, you gave 100% and and you were yourself and you embodied your values. Exactly. I feel like I never completely understood, like, my parents would always tell me, like, never, never half-ass things. Like, mm-hmm. always put your full effort into it. I was like, but some stuff I just don't, <laughs> like, yeah. not that. But I realized in college more so, I really do try to put, my 100% effort into everything I do depending yeah. on time commitments. I mean like dynamics homework takes a long time. So sometimes you got, you got to squeeze things around, but I yeah. think there it's really valuable and a powerful saying, even though it, you feel like it won't always hold true. It's important to try, like yeah. try your best, be authentic, really put your full effort into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, one of those things that like, like you just said that your parents would tell you this and you, you didn't really like understand I mean, one of my favorite quotes is like, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. When the student is truly ready, the teacher disappears. Um, and just like, there's there's a lot of times in my life where like, people would tell me these things and I just didn't get it. And then all of a sudden, I'm now in a leadership position. And I'm like, oh my God, that makes sense. It makes like, so I much sense. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just moments like, you know, I could just be at the gym in the morning and being like, all of a sudden facing this huge like enlightenment and i'm like oh my god like oh, i get it i get it yeah um, it's, gonna, it's gonna keep happening so yeah it's... and then you drop a barbell on your foot and then you... <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> yeah that's a that's a funny point i love those little moments of like enlightenment almost that you get yeah. they really do kind of keep pushing you forward um no matter what it is i was cooking the other day and like i'm i'm decent at cooking i've been trying this uh this really cool website called cook smarts and um 
they give you recipes and stuff and it plans like you can play in your grocery list out and it's really nice huh. um but the the first semester i was just kind of i just moved off campus i was getting like started at cooking um and i was making good food but nothing was like ever mind-blowing i was slow it took me a while to cook something that shouldn't take that long um <laughs> and then like this semester i started cooking food and it was so good and like <laughs> everything was like quick i was doing everything like correctly i was being orderly with stuff and yeah. it was just like that satisfying moment when i like took the first bite and also felt more relaxed when i was cooking because it's like kind of stressful sometimes yeah it was so yeah. satisfying to be able to sit down and eat something that i made but it was like in a relaxed like confident way so yeah it's kind of funny how you get those like little little moments mm -hmm. uh of enlightenment yeah. chef now yeah definitely i love that cooking is one of the great joys of life oh my gosh yes okay now moving into some more joseph specific questions i just have a couple um so you started els you said kind of during covid right like els didn't start to really build until uh until covid started how how did that build your leadership and what was that process just like overall just curious. yeah so so the the previous president um ethan goodstein um applied for a grant actually um that had mm -hmm. come around around the time of covid um, and he got it and kind of formed these like planning committees over the summer of 2020. Um, and, uh, you know, during that summer, it was the start of COVID and I was just like, you know, mentally out of it. So I didn't really participate too much. I mean, I was, I was in there and I would help out. Um, but you know, I, I would, I would disappear on like backpacking trips for three weeks into the mountains and just not, not, I mean, I would tell people I was doing it, but you know, there'd be a lot of progress made while I was gone. Um, and I, I did that a lot because, you know, it was COVID and there was nothing going on. Um, yeah. My friends are really outdoorsy, so we would just go. Upstate I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I, I looked at the club and I was like, what what do I see? Like, where where can I really connect with this mission? And where, where can I really, like, make a difference? Um, and that's where I, like, leaned into that, that mentor um, program. Um, story uh and so i i started as the director of the mentor program um i i think i was actually the director of consulting to start with um and then i founded the mentor program and like the student support fund that we have as well uh, in case you didn't know like we we have um i think it's it's 250 dollars a semester for you know to support students that um you know have lost a family member or, or you know are going through mental health struggles or stuff like that yeah um, that's fantastic i didn't know that yeah yeah and but and both of those things are, are close to my heart so um just doing those two things and and then really just it was up to my uh my mentors at deloitte so i got uh, since sophomore year i've been i've had two fantastic mentors from deloitte that um really have gotten me to where i am today and I, you know, I kind of ran through the decision to run through the, for president with them. I was like, I've never held a club position before. Um, you know, this is my first time. It's been challenging, but it's been really rewarding. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I've always been a driven person, but I've, you know, 
I failed at a lot of things at that point, right? Because I was like, uh, you know, I wanted to be a fighter pilot, and I was really committed to that, and I got kicked out, and then I was wanted to be an aerospace engineer, and I was really committed to that, and then I switched. And so I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, like, can I commit? Am I going to quit? Like, being, like, am I going to be the president for six months and be like, wow, I can't do this anymore? Um, and so, well, clearly not. Um, clearly now I... I believe here you are today <laughs> yeah so i mean that that's really been the experience is just trying to connect on a you know deeper level with the club and, and the mission and um and then the second year of the club starting just believing myself to implement projects and you know run things and share ideas and, and help other students uh, you know find where they want to go so inspiration <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. covid was a was a tough time for all the backpacking trips were definitely i don't blame you yeah it's a, it's a good choice but uh, yeah that's that's pretty cool the mentor program is is fantastic um i didn't personally sign up just because i yeah. didn't feel like i needed a mentor at this at this very moment i didn't want the extra commitment or something but yeah. Um, I know it helps a lot of people. A lot of, I had a, I did a Eon mentor briefly my freshman year. Um, especially having the mentors during the whole online class period, like that's big because mm-hmm. it's tough being online. I, I, I remember being there, <laughs> my first semester was all online. So it was tough yeah. and having that mentor, having someone that's older than me that I can kind of at least ask a couple questions yeah. <laughs> about what the heck I'm doing was helpful. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. And definitely all the challenges with getting membership during COVID is really difficult. I even know like I was in engineers, engineers without borders some uh, for a very brief period, but it was just so hard. It being online, you just feel no personal connection almost and no, uh, no commitment to that. So it's just really difficult to get involved with that. So it's impressive <laughs> to yeah. say the least. I'm uh, I think it's pretty amazing starting the club during that time and building it from there. Yeah, no, it's, it's been amazing. Um, I mean, just seeing where it was and now having a good idea of where it's going to hopefully go. Yeah. Um, is I was talking about this actually with my friend that I have the startup with right now. Um, just yesterday even, because he started a club during COVID, um, and he started the club, uh, and it was a consulting club at Drexel, um, and okay. I was talking, you know, like, ELS is, it's got great things ahead of it, and like, yeah, being, you know, what, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three days away from not technically being the president, um, <laughs> is, you know, in a way, it's like a weight off of my back, but... I mean, I'm still the president for the rest of the year. Uh, obviously, yes. I'll make that transition. Um, but it, I really took time to reflect and just being like, wow, like the last year has been amazing. It's been so rewarding. It's been, you know, inspiring to see everyone signing up for elections and people reaching out and being like, yeah. look, I, I'm really excited about the future of this club. Um, and, and he shared it, too, because he went from zero to 170 people um, wow. over COVID. 
uh, in consulting, and he just got con- confirmation that McKinsey um, is going to come do an information information session with the club, and it's the first time that they've ever stepped foot on Drexel campus. Um, wow. <laughs> and I was like, you get one of the top consulting firms coming to your school, not because it's your school, Taking, but because it's your yeah. club that you started. And I was like, dude, pat yourself on the back. And he was That's like, a huge, pretty yeah, cool. Congrats yeah. to him. That's yeah. fantastic. It's a similar feeling. Yeah. That's a huge point too. Even myself, like I didn't know about ELS last semester. I don't know how. Um, but when I when I joined ELD and started taking four oh eight, Meg started telling us about it and I was like, Yeah, man, I wanna join that. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> it, and I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. Like you said, some of the stuff for, in the future is just extremely exciting. And being partnered with all the ELD stuff is just like fantastic resource i i feel like this club just has so much ahead of it and so many resources we can really use to to continue to grow and i mean fingers crossed next year like with minimal restrictions we can get back to some of the old recruiting things like recruiting dinners and you know networking events in person with catered food and um you know getting etiquette dinners where companies come and just tuning in a lot of the stuff that pre-covid was rampant yeah Yeah. oh yeah yeah before covid possible yeah yeah but but no not yeah i mean people coming into penn state don't even you know i was talking about we took the i took the symposium committee out to dinner um thank them for all their work and stuff like that and i was like you know it's a good opportunity to if you ever go out with uh, a company and it's like wait that's one of those things that has pretty much changed over COVID where companies don't come and do student dinners as much as they used to. Um, so, yeah, but there's, I mean, there's yeah. room for that. There's room for that to bring that back. Um, yeah. And have that in person. I, uh, I saw, I was walking by the alumni center the, the one night and it said like etiquette dinner on the board. I'm like, what is an etiquette dinner? <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I was confused because I've never really, I didn't realize that was even a thing. And it, it's interesting too. Like you said, like companies, almost everything's online now. Even our career fair is still finally starting to be back in person. Um, yeah. I think they realize it's a little more cost effective to have people be on their laptop than <laughs> flying them out here. But I think it's important too, that physical mm-hmm. aspect. Um, yeah. Especially for top talent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if, I mean, that's how companies, they complain they can't get top talent or retain top talent. And, you know, some of the major issues are, A, pay them enough for like what they're worth or more than like they're worth because of the potential and take them out to dinner and and do some nice things for them if you actually want to to see major impacts. And yeah, and even on the club level, find that like same deal like you said taking those people out to dinner your your symposium uh committee it's it's pretty awesome where'd yeah. you guys end up going yeah we went to the tavern actually um, oh really is, yeah it's it's really it's, nice and a little bit more expensive than i thought it was gonna be but um <laughs> it was great i mean the the two girls that were involved uh have really bright futures um but taking yeah. them out to dinner and just seeing their faces of like is this really happening? And like, <laughs> I, I saw when I said goodbye, I was going in a different direction and they were going together. And like, Wyatt is the VP of consulting was like going a different yeah, direction. Yeah. 
and White and I kind of smiled at each other because we knew that like they were like loving it, and uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was really rewarding, and um, you know, they talked about their lives and everything they're involved in, and it was just a great yeah. opportunity to kind of like. I mean, we think like I I got COVID the morning of the symposium, which sucked. Uh, um, so I couldn't even run it. I know. So there was like <laughs> I five. Yeah, there was like five minutes where they updated me on the symposium, but after that, it was just like it was life, which was great because we've all our meetings yeah. have been about the symposium and like the small talk has been there, but it was just nice to sit down for like an hour and a half and just listen to them talk about their lives and their goals. And you know, I ended up connecting one of them with someone from Raytheon, and she was like no way (laughs) yeah that's a good spot to be (laughs) yeah i think it's nice important in uh like taking time to decompress and getting to know your the people you are leading like you said just talking to them about their lives for an hour and a half i think that builds so much in your in your team and in your group with how you interact with each other like you always get those group projects in school where everyone's just like doing it just because they want to get it done like they don't even care who you are they probably don't even know your name but how you can learn so much more and be so much more productive when you actually are friends with those people you're working with Um, so that's it's really important good to hear i mean that's and then i think go ahead i was gonna say that that topic is something that like i want to have a career on um in terms of like yeah how do you effectively manage a workforce, you know, organizational change, especially with like AI and machine learning. Um, there's a, there's a startup called Humu, which is um, started by an ex Google guy and they raised 110 million across series A, B and C. Um, and all they do is they're a plugin for like teams and Slack and everything that encourages managers to like do stuff for their teams or like, Hey, talk to this person about their life today. Or like, Hey, you know, do something nice for this person or, Hey, have you done a team building event this month or this week? And the, the, the crazy thing about it is in the article that I was reading, um, of the 75 companies it trialed with 100% of the companies said that it made, um, visible workplace transformations. Uh, and they measured the increase they measured the increase in productivity and employee satisfaction across six months with hard data. And it was 100% of the companies said that it made a difference. Um, so pretty amazing. Yeah. Just by a little, little reminder. Yep. Yep. It's the small things. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really cool to hear. Last question I think I have, um, since we are, we're getting close to, uh, to an hour long here. Um, do you switch your leadership styles when talking with people such as myself, with students, versus when talking with corporate companies, big professionals? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I feel uh, like that's kind of an obvious question, but <laughs> it's. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I mean, yeah. talking with students, you need to realize that they are students. That the club is not their life. Their club is not something they're working forty hours a week on, right? And so right. your expectations naturally need to drop a little bit. Um, and, and again, you need to do that at work too is like something I've learned is like not everyone has the same motivation as you. Like when I talk to my friend who I've got the startup with, like I'll ask him to do something and he'll have it done in the next hour, right? Because right. it's that important to him. 
But with someone who's like, you know, I'm kind of not super into the club, you ask them to do one thing and maybe they just don't do it. And like, how do you approach that? How do you say like, you know, you don't, you definitely don't want to go and do it for them. Um, right. But you need to then ask them questions about, and it goes into coaching too. If you finish 408 and you want to take the coaching class, it's phenomenal. I want to get my professional mm-hmm. coaching certification, but um, you just need to find out why they didn't do it and like what obstacles, like maybe there's a ton of stuff going on in their life. And so then you're like, you know, oh my God, okay, you're struggling. Like, let can I, is it okay if I help you out? Um, or like that kind of stuff. So with students, it's a lot of um, just learning kind of what their commitment level is, what their why is and, and, and what they want to do and facilitating, like I said earlier, you know, not making the path for them, but helping them choose their path. Um, whereas with professionals, you know, some people are really passionate about their work, so it's great. And you can like really drive up motivation. You can really drive up ambition and you can, um, connect with someone more deep, like on a deeper level on a, on a topic, like, you know, at work, I'll maybe be talking about AI with someone, um, for hours because like, we're both really passionate about it, but like, you know, a student who's the VP of something and is doing, um, you know, mechanical engineering and wants to learn about cars is going to be like, what? Like, I want to talk about this. Um, or even, <laughs> even then, you know, it, it's, it's, it's different. Um, and I'm excited. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to graduate into like a company that, um, you know, I'm surrounded by professionals who are passionate about what they do. And it's similar to what I want to do. Um, it's just funny because like all my friends from home are really like, really driven and really ambitious. Um, you know, two of my good friends are at Stanford doing their like PhD and master's program. And then my other ones like graduating into my friends graduating into the lighthouse group and KPMG doing like AI work. So we're all business and like school and stuff. Um, but the difference is they can't turn it off. So like when I go to my other friends that are very, you know, just like outdoorsy and they're, they're pursuing like professional climbing careers and, and careers um, doing like ex- like outdoor expeditions and stuff like that who don't care for business and don't know what it is, like I can switch. Whereas like yeah. my friends sometimes can't. So it's learning when to turn things off and when to turn things on. Um, and that's the, the biggest difference. Um, for me. Yeah. That's a really good point because I do the same thing with my friends. I have a lot of non-engineering friends and – I do switch between my outdoorsy Sam versus kind of more technical engineering Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, that's an important skill too, is when you are able to kind of change between those. Still being authentic because you're obviously mm-hmm. not faking yourself, but being able right. to kind of like change your leadership styles, change your communication styles um, to fit the people you're around. I love how you like talked about like supporting them, not making the path for them by helping them choose um and like being cognizant especially with students it's so hard we have so much schoolwork especially engineers um and having these extra commitments is just another thing on top of all that homework and schoolwork we have to deal with so i think it's super important i keep that in mind every single time i'm i'm working with other people here at penn state um just their other commitments because it's a lot life (laughs) life throws a lot at you uh especially in college and it's you got to yeah. learn to work with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People with 
different backgrounds, different motivation levels, different skill levels. Yeah, it's interests. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. You just never know. Never know. You never know. Okay. Well, it seems like we're right on time. Just hit our fifty-six minute mark. It has been absolutely fantastic speaking with you today, Joseph. Can't thank you I enough for coming that. on. We might uh we might have to have you back to help host some other episodes once we get some more people on this podcast. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to where this is gonna go. Hopefully, we can get some more resources soon to to up our production level. But I thought this was really fun, just getting to pick your brain for a little while. Yeah, um, I mean, when do you when do you get the time to just like have a conversation where you can exactly. dive deeply into like big topics? Um, yeah. it's a great way to learn. Fantastic. So happy we, we kind of have been working on this. I'm excited to share it with everyone else. Hopefully people people enjoy it and find at <laughs> yeah. least one thing that's yep. interesting that kind of gets their brain going. We're going to make some, some good leaders out here with this podcast. But Yes, we will. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for, uh, for watching this first episode. Hope you enjoyed. Look forward to a new episode coming out soon. We're hoping to get some of the different engineering leadership development teachers on uh, on our show and kind of pick their brain about what their career has been like. Um, but as I said, thank you for watching. This has been episode one of The Language of Leadership, and I hope to catch you guys next time. See ya.